Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So there's been like a major, major shift in American culture in the past 100 years. So since none of us are 100 years old, let me kind of explain to you what's going on years ago. Um, do you know that communities actually used to live and like work together as communities? Like the whole idea of being a part of a community is that each one of us brought some sort of special gift, talent, skill to the community so the community could survive. So think of an old western town. Think of the towns where you used to have a blacksmith. And so the blacksmith would be there, and he would do all of the blacksmithing, and he'd make shoes for the horses, and he'd take care of you. And then there was the mill. Like, you'd take all of your grain, and you'd go to the mill, and they would grind up all of your grain, so then you could have flour to make bread, and so on and so forth. There were hotels. So when people were traveling throughout the town, you provide a place for people who were traveling from one town to another, and those people were strangers. They weren't part of the community. In our movies, those are the guys who wear the big black hats and are usually the bad guys that shoot people, right? Like, but you see people traveling through towns, but there were hotels that were there. There were churches. There would be a church for the community, and in that community, that pastor would be there, and they would take care of the community. They would take care of the sick. They would take care of those who were needy. They would take care of orphans, kind of like what we read about in scriptures. All the people worked together with their skills and their talents and abilities for one thing, for the community. They did it together. Now let's fast forward to the year 2020. Right now in the year 2020, we've moved away from communal thinking into individualistic thinking. So now our way of living within a culture is what is best for me. Like, life is all about me. My choices are about me. And that individualism has actually hurt our communities. Because now, I mean, I don't even have to go to the store anymore to buy anything. I'm buying stuff from China off of Amazon. It's in my house in like two days. Like, I don't even have to go to the local mill to go get flour. I just go to Piggly Wiggly and buy what's on sale. Like, I don't think what's necessarily best for my community. I think what's best for me. And either 2020, the internet has changed so much the way that we view things. We also think about the American dream. Now, the American dream is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I, it's so wonderful to think that I can be anything that I want to be. So if you're young right now, or if you are in school, and our littles who just left, all these, they're being taught, and you can be anything that you want to be. But if you lived in a community and were communal, you'd ask the question, what does my community need? Ever thought about that? Like, has, has the American dream been part of what's broken apart this idea of taking care of our community? Now, one of the cool things that's happened during COVID, if there's anything you say cool about COVID, one of the cool things is we've gone back to local. You've seen a lot of things pop up, but we want to make sure our restaurants stay around. We want to make sure our, our local shops stay around. I noticed myself not shopping at the big box stores, but going into those smaller uh, community-type stores to be able to buy things because I want my community to survive. So this one thing has shifted our attention back to community. But at the same time, there's been no higher time, not even Christmas, of, of packages in the mail, things coming to doors, because we're all going 
to online. So we're kind of torn. And I am too. Like, I look and say, okay, I can buy this for $11 on Amazon, or I could buy it locally for $20. Now, I am a cheapskate, and so I meet him like, ooh, $11, right? Like, like I go to that right away. But that $20 actually invests in my community. So within, a, within this century, we've shifted a big way of thinking, what is best for my community versus what's best for me? And when you think of it that way, it's kind of scary because in this way of thinking, I'm looking out for myself and not you. Now, if you're new to Christianity or new to Jesus, so this is your first time you've been hearing about this, you're going to understand something. You may know Christians are supposed to do good things, but my friends who are de-churched, unchurched, non-churched don't view Christians as being communal. They view them as being individualistic and judgmental. Now, is that fair or not fair? I'm not saying what it is. That's just the way they think. That's what they say. They say, you guys are, and they fill in the blank. I mean, they just lump us all into this kind of thought of angry, spiteful, individualistic thinking. But when I read the Bible, I see Jesus creating a community of church that is loving, giving, forgiving, and always pressing out into their community, loving. In fact, we see in the scriptures, they loved each other so well that people are asking, what is your deal when the early church started? And they start to say, what is your deal? Why do you love each other? Why are you so kind that thousands were coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because this is such a monumental way of thinking that they would love so well? This individualism has shifted into your faith walk as well. For some time now, you've heard this idea of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ which is a true statement. If that's a new statement to you, let me explain it. That the church has taught that you have to make a decision to follow Jesus. And so that there's a point in your life where you say a prayer, you go to a rally, you raise your hand, you come forward. Something happens in your life where you make a decision to turn away from your old life, say, I want to follow Jesus. And that statement is correct. It's not an incorrect statement. That we have to make a decision. Some point in your life you say, I believe that Jesus Christ has a better way of living for me he alone is the one who can save me from the terrible sin mess that I've made. But then there's a period at the end of that. It's not a period, it's a comma. And what should have been taught is comma, and now you're part of a larger family of believers who are called to be on mission with what Jesus came to do, which is to reach lost people and spread love into the world. There should have been a comma there. But so what happened is individualistic American thought now entered into our religious thought, which says, I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't talk about that relationship with Jesus. What you believe is okay, what I believe is okay. And then I come to church and I sit. And then I go home. I come back next Sunday and I sit. And I go back home and I repeat. And this started to cause a huge problem. Because people in this way of thinking aren't being discipled. They aren't being taught what does it mean to follow Jesus because to be discipled, you've got to do it with other people in community. So then individualistic thinking said, hey, I don't need to be around people because now I've got the internet. I don't need the local church. I've got the internet. I've got the Amazon of churches. Why would I listen to Montana when I can listen to Andy Stanley? Like I've got, listen, any pastor anywhere I can do anything I want. I can give online to any church, any organization, any orphanage. I can do anything I want in this year. And local 
starts to suffer. Church attendance, if you may or may not know, has been on a huge decline throughout America. Lots of reasons why. Some of the top reasons um, they have out there are kind of stunning. Because now, in one generation, maybe two, you go from committed followers of Jesus Christ saying, I'm going to be in church 50 weeks out of the year, okay? Sunday, that's where we go. So if you grew up like that, like, it's Sunday, get your Sunday clothes on, we're going to church. Like, that was my generation as Gen X. And, but then you move forward into what's been happening. The average attendance is 17 to 26 weeks out of the year. Committed followers of Jesus Christ think, I'll go maybe every other week or every three weeks. Now, again, not saying you aren't getting information because you've got the internet, you've got worship songs that can be downloaded onto your iPod. That's all them, iPod, iPhone, right? So, like, you've got your iPhones. I don't, we don't need worship. We don't need to hear all these things. And, and I do this. I stream a lot of things. So what is the purpose of the local church? Like, does it serve a purpose anymore? Because now this is what's happened to us. We as Americans right now have more money than we've ever had before. More money means we have more travel opportunities. We can be gone, and we're gone on weekends. Secondly, kids' sports has taken over our lives. Anybody who is a parent of a kid who's in kids' sports knows that there's no sacred day anymore. And that's a shift within the last 30 years. Sundays are now game days. Wednesdays are now game days. And Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays are game days. And so parents are frantically running around with their kids, all different kids' sports. And if you have multiple kids, I mean, Lord have mercy. I don't know how you're going to get all your kids to soccer and volleyball and dance and gymnastics all at the same time. It's just chaos. Like I said, our online opportunities have pulled away from us to say, okay, I'm gone, but I can stream. And to right now, look at the blessing this is to our Facebook friends who are watching us live right now. Because of COVID, we had the opportunity to still have church services even though we could not gather. And for our friends right now who are like, I can't make it in, I am out of town, I'm not comfortable being here around yet, they're able to watch. What a blessing that is. What a gift from the Lord in the year 2020 that the internet is here for us to help us. But at the same time, what if that's all that you did? Because my generation loves Jesus but hates the church. That's a quote. There are books about it. And in fact, this fall, we're going to be teaching. Our fall kickoff is called that series. We, I love Jesus but hate dot, dot, dot. There are so much hatred, frustration about the organized church. And when I talk to friends, I hear him say things like, I just don't like, quote, organized church. What's happened? What's shifted? What's happened over the course of the last couple of years that we would move away into this anger and frustration? Well, I, I believe this. I believe we've lost our way. I believe somehow along the way, the church lost why it exists, the beauty of why it exists, what it means for us right now to be gathered together as the church. And for our online friends who can't be here today, they're still here with us, to say what does it mean to actually know each other, to love each other, to call each other out, to be able to walk with each other through hard things. Everybody's dying for that best friend. Everybody's dying for someone to be real with. I just want someone to be honest. I want someone to be real. But when I walk into church, absolutely not. When I come to church... I'm going to put that smile on my face. 
Everything's cool. Had a great week. I love my kids, even though I just fought with them the whole way here. Let me get an amen if that happened. It happens every week, right? Like there's always something that's going on, and we say, okay, what if I could be in a body of believers in which we spur each other on to be great? What if we were a part of believers that we loved our community so much that we stopped worrying about ourselves, but we're worried about the people out there right now who are hurting, who lost their jobs? We care about the orphans in our community. We care about the widows in our community. We care about hurting, lost, broken people because that's exactly what the first church did. I believe with my whole heart if we went back to that, our doors would explode because people are hungry for something that's real. They're hungry. Like, I get, like, hopefully you like my talk and you like our worship, like, but there's better. I understand that. I understand on the internet age, you can get the best of the best of the best. But last week, you talked about that's consumerism. In the same way that a real relationship with someone is hard. A real relationship, if you're in a relationship and you're married or dating, it's not easy. It isn't always frilly and fun. You can't go on online, I want a girl who looks like this, who acts like this, who talks like this. That's called a robot. It doesn't exist. Everybody's unique. And when you get into real relationship and get to know each other, this thing called tension comes. Irritation. Fighting. But if you love them, you stay and it starts to grow and something transforms you. Like, I know, I know more about Jesus Christ because I'm married to my wife. Because I've lived with her through hard things. We've been through hard things together. She's challenged me. She's pushed me. And let me tell you, she's the first one to tell me I'm an idiot. She does a great job of that. Jason, you're wrong. And I say, no, I'm not. And I stomp out of the room and come back and say, you're right. That is what real relationship is like. What if the local church was that? What if the local church, we allow people to be in our lives to say, hey, you're struggling. Let me walk with you right now. I know you're going through a hard time. I'm right here. You don't scare me off. I believe that church will change the world, and so did Paul. What we have is a problem that's 2,000 years old. It hasn't changed. It's not just American. Though we have the Internet and we have information, the problem of individualism was plaguing the church as well. And when we go to it, we look at it this way. What does it look like if we were to live together? So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. You have your Bibles, feel free to flip there. Uh, we'll have it on the screen, Bible apps. If you're new to Bible reading, um, I want to encourage you, the Bible app is a wonderful thing. It's in your pocket, it's right there. There's reading plans for you. Um, great opportunity to be able to study God's Word. Um, if you're new to it, even if you're not new, um, I use the Bible app a lot. But I'm kind of old school, I like flipping the pages. I don't know, it's just kind of my thing. I like writing, but Bible apps are great too. Hebrews 10, 19 and 25 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the, through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So Paul's, or not Paul, excuse me, the author of Hebrews is writing, and as he's writing Hebrews, he's saying this, 
this passage, we find confidence that Jesus Christ has died for us. And when Jesus died, a whole new thing happened within the Jewish community. So I have to explain that to you. In the old way of doing things, there was a priest who got to enter into the Holy of Holies. There's one person who was allowed to go into this place, this meeting place with God. And they would go in and they'd make sacrifices for the community. He took the responsibility of the community. So he would go in and there would be this holy place that was separated by this large curtain. And you'd go in there and this was not a place to be reckoned with. This was not somebody just walk in wearing your tennis shoes and your hat backwards. You had all the priestly garbs. It was a big ceremony. There was cleansing and washing. They'd go through all of this. It was a huge deal. So they would go in and make a sacrifice. And then that had to be done over and over and over again because that was setting way for the new way that Jesus was doing things, which is this. You have a new way. I am going to be the one who's going to be your high priest. I, Jesus, am going to be the one who changes the order for you. So when Jesus is on the cross, and we see if you've ever heard the Easter story, and then Jesus dies, and the curtain tears from top to bottom. That was the holy place, and that was representative. Now, God is with us. There's no longer a separation between God and man. The Spirit of God now is among men because Jesus now made everything right. It was a huge, huge deal. And the Jewish people would see this and recognize that, saying, God is now among us. God now is here. But he did this all for us. And as we read into the scriptures here, when his body is broken for us, and now God is with us, he cleansed us. He said, so you are saved. You now have God with you. You don't need the priest anymore. You don't have to go through all those rituals. Now you call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Everything shifted. But then something happened. The author writes and says, hey, you got to stay together. Just because you don't need the priests anymore, just because you don't need these situations, some of you now have a habit of saying, I'm cool, I'm on my own, I'm out. So I love Jesus, but I'm going to do it on my own. I don't have to go through the rituals of the past. I don't have to see the priest. I don't have to cleanse myself. I don't have to kill animals as a sacrifice for my sins. Everything is now shifted. Everything has changed. Therefore, I'm going to do me. And the author says, no, 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 hold, hold, hold. You can't do that. You need each other. Jesus brought us together so that we can spur each other on. And it goes on. You've got to think through this. What would happen individualistically if you're off on your own, just fledging out on the side? Where's the encouragement? Where's the uh, continuing of hearing of the scriptures? Where are they able to help each other, need each other, because of what Jesus has done? We need each other to keep loving our community. We need each other to keep spurring each other on to loving God. So I'm going to be the first to confess to you my spiritual life is a roller coaster. I have days where I'm like, like I'm holding hands with Jesus. And there's days in my spiritual walk where I'm like, are you even listening to me? Why is it dead silent? Where are you right now? And I'm, in, I'm encouraged because in the scriptures, other people do that too. David writes about that in the Psalms. You see people like, what's happening? And so I found this in my spiritual walk. I, I, there are days I don't even want to get out of bed and keep going, but I'm spurred on by believers. People said, Jason, you can do it. The days that I want to quit, I get that email from somebody that says, thank you, you changed somebody's life. I get that card in the mail. I get an encouraging word. My wife will say something to me. My friends will say something to me that says, I want to keep doing it. I can do this. Because 
It is hard. If you've had a season of your life where you've been on your own, without a family who's loving and spurring you on to good things, it gets harder. And let's just be honest. It's real easy to just start drifting away, isn't it? When you're separate from the community of believers, it's real easy to not start thinking about those things. Real easy, ah, I'm not going to stream. All of a sudden, you're, ah, the football game's on. Ah, I got stuff going on. Ah, it's baseball. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts getting, that whole thing starts getting pushed out of your life. Then all of a sudden, your mind shifts, and you start making choices like, well, Jesus will forgive me of that. Raise your hand. I'm just not escape. Don't raise your hand. Let's see if you're awake. We have access to God because Jesus opened the temple and split the curtain. So why in the world would you have to go to church now? You don't need me. Or do you? You don't need each other. Or do you? This is the mindset that's crept into our mind as Americans. We've become so individualistic, we start to say, okay, what gives me the most benefit? What church is the most comfortable? What church has the best coffee? Mosaic. What church has the best chairs? Not mosaic. What church does this? What church does this? We start to say, what can you give me to please and feed me? As opposed to, what can I do to transform a community of people who need me? Instead of, what you, can you give me? What if we start to say, what can you do? I'm needed the way God made me. If I'm quiet and introverted, God made me that way. God, how can you use me? If you're outgoing, love talking on a stage, you could talk two hours like me. How can God use me? If you're anywhere in between, your gifts, your talents, your skills, what if we viewed our faith walk as it's for the community? To spur each other on to good works, to meet together, to be together. Because as life gets busy, and life is busy, and if your life is busy now, it's never going to stop being busy. Busy, 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 busy. So much going on all the time. The truth is we take time for things that matter to us. We make choices that allow our schedules to be overly busy. What would it look like if you had the habit of being connected to people? Because that word habit is so cute in the scripture. Listen to this portion of the verse again. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a quote from John Wesley. John Wesley is one of our Christian forefathers, Christian theologians, uh, one of our big minds in Christianity. He has this fantastic quote. Christianity is not a religion for solitude and celerity. The Bible knows nothing of celerity, religion. You're not meant to do this alone. You are not meant to go through this life alone. But here's the problem. We're full of drama. And like any family, y'all are messed up. Like everybody's got their issues and ticks and, and things wrong with us, right? Sometimes we're too angry and sometimes we make mistakes. And if you're sitting here today burned by church, hurt by church, slammed by church, maybe your first time back, Friends watching online, you're like, I don't even want to set foot inside of a church. Like right now, you're saying, look, I've been burned, and I know what you're going to say. You don't know I've been burned. So I'm going to tell you a story right now. Nick and I have been burned a lot, and I've given up on church a lot. I, I just said, I'm done with it. 
is too much pain. But then this thing called Jesus really convicted me. And this is the thing that I found in, in, in here. I'm better being married to my wife. And she challenges me, and she's hard, and I'm hard for her. But we've been married 21 years. 21 years of living, growing, shaping, molding, highs, lows. I know Jesus more because of that relationship. And in the church world, what will happen is because it's so easy. I'm out. You hurt me. I'm gone. We run from those things because we don't see the family as what we need to be a part of. Now, I'm not putting down or making light of pain. I've been through so much pain, friends, from people I trusted, loved, who I called friends. I could tell you I've had my face ripped off with pain. More pain than I can even talk about. Crying on the floor. Why would you say that to me? Why would you do that to me? But here's the truth. I'm better because I've gone through it. I'm stronger because I've gone through it. I've sat with people who said, I hate you, Jason. And I say, well, I love you. Let's work through this together. I've had people screaming at me in church meetings. Like, how can you do that? And I just simply say, hey, I think we need to go through this together. And in the backside of it, what I found out in my story, which I didn't know about, the backside of the story was that my story was to help him grow. My story, as I sat and loved when hate was in my face, helped him grow. And I said, you are my brother. I'm not leaving you. What if church did this and how we can spur each other on to great things? But it's not just about Sundays. It's not about this. Now, I love Sunday gatherings. I'm glad you're all here. I love Sunday gatherings. But relationship isn't going to happen in Sunday gatherings the same as it would outside of here. Yes, we can connect. Yes, we have conversations. But you don't really know me until you hang out with me, until you're in a group with me. When I start talking about my stories and I, you know, we start talking about our struggles and we start talking about our joys and you build those relationships over time and you walk with people, you get to know somebody. Because Sunday mornings, though it's good, is a start. We say Sunday's for Mondays. You're here to get ready for Monday. How can we spur each other on? And this is part of spurring you on to good deeds. This is part of what the scripture says, but it's only a part. We need more. Something that's been interesting with COVID is the, the reintroduction of drive-in theaters. So drive-in theaters for all you millennials out there and Gen Zs, like there's an actual time there would be like outdoor theaters and you have a big screen and you get like two or three movies for the price of one and they'd have like little intercoms and you'd drive your car up and stick your intercom in to hear really bad non-stereo audio and you'd be inside of your car and then you would watch the movie and you could stay for as late as you want and you just shove as many people as possible inside of your car for a couple of bucks. So drive-in theaters have come back because of COVID. That's kind of cool, right? Drive-in theaters. And I love movies. I'm a movie dork. I love all types of movies. Nick and I share all the time. I just can't wait to go back to watch a movie. And though movie theaters are open, I'm not going to pay $5 to watch Footloose. I've already seen it 100 times. So I, I love the experience of a movie. I love the big cushy chairs. I love the big bucket of popcorn that I eat before the previews are even done. Like, I love my soda that's so big, I go to the restroom like seven times during the movie. I love my box of dots that are way too many calories for a 44-year-old to eat. I love the whole experience. I love the energy of a movie theater. I love the energy of watching the previews. But now you take that to a drive-in theater. You just sit in the car with your family. Yeah, maybe you got some popcorn. Sound isn't good. doesn't rattle. Chair is the chair that you're sitting in for your car. The experience is completely different. 
Drive-in theaters are good, but the real experience for me is fantastic. Bumping shoulders, non-COVID. Shaking hands, non-COVID. Seeing people. Like, having that experience is so wonderful. But let's be honest, really deep down inside, we prefer drive-in church. I want to come in and sit in my car and not have to talk to anybody. Come to my seat. Sit down. My seat. I've sat here for 20 years. Don't you dare sit in my pew. My pew. You know, like scared off the kids and stuff. And like, so you got your position. I was going to sit here. Don't talk to me. I'd rather just watch church from a distance. I prefer I keep people at a distance because people hurt people. I'm not going to be hurt again. I'm not going to take that chance again. I've tried church, been in church. I know of church. People hurt people. I'm not going to take that chance. And so we really prefer that drive-in theater of church. And 100% honest, I've thought that way in my life too. I thought my, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be my friends, let my friends be my friends, and not let strangers or acquaintances hurt me. I understand. Like I shared, I've been there. But we are not powerful when we're in drive-in theaters. We don't have the same energy than when we're together. One of the best things was coming back. In my first week, the first week back of gathering was hearing people sing again together. It just filled my heart with joy that we can come back together, be in a community together, sing together, be together. Because that's something special about church. There's something about the gathering of us coming together, even just one day a week, to have that unity, but then that relationship goes outside of Sundays to say, when you need something, I will be here. I will call you. I will take care of you. What do you need? We are here for each other through thick, through thin, through pain, through joys. We celebrate and we mourn together. Real, authentic community. That's one of our core values. If you haven't looked into what we believe our core values, the five core values, one of them is authentic community. It's okay to not be okay. We are a church of broken, messy, messed up people. It's why we're mosaic. And I love it because I'm not going to try to pretend like we got it all together. We don't. But it's our family. We, it's our family. No, every family's got the crazy aunt, right? Everyone's got crazy Aunt Doris in your family. We know this. Like you ask for like, you know, a new Star Wars toy and you get like Star Wars like, like Muppets. Like I didn't want this for Christmas, but whatever. Like, like you always have that crazy aunt who's like just spouting gibberish and talking about stuff at Christmas parties or the one who kisses you too much. You have big red like lipstick all over your face when you're a kid. Like we all have those people in our family. So, so our family's church, we have that too. But can we love each other still through it? What would it look like if we lived out this verse from the author? I'm going to read this to you again. Hear these words. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, we were meant to do this together. We were meant to do this together. 
the whole intention that God brought together is community together. I love as a church plant that we get to start something. We get to be a part of something new. We get to bring family together. But I want to encourage you right now. Sunday gatherings are fantastic, but I know we need each other on Wednesdays. And I'm not the only answer. Nick is not the only answer. Our team leads are not the answer. You are a part of the story because we are better together. We need each other. Friends, I know it's scary. Depending on your past and your story of where you've been, I, you've been hurt. I don't want to be open. I'm afraid to be open. I'm telling you, we need each other. We have an opportunity today to start living a life as the church like we see in the book of Hebrews. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.